the people, the general public is like, oh, this is garbage, da, da, da. I wouldn't respond. But here's the thing. Eminem is a competitor. So for Eminem, I could see where he's like, man, I could see him itching to respond to this. But maybe people around him are like, ah, I don't know if it's worth it. Hip Hop Hustle Podcast, man. You heard it here first. He's not playing. No, Aaron's not playing. No fucking game. You got your ear to the streets, man. Much love to all the people down under. And make sure y'all follow the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, man, because they're giving y'all nothing but the real shit. But yeah, man, appreciate the intro, bro. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's kick it off. Shout out to the whole Hip Hop Hustle podcast. What's up with it? Like, there's something about a pre-planned, like, set question. It, it doesn't feel genuine. Like, you can tell you're not getting, like, the real interviewer and you're not getting yeah. the real artist. So I've always been like, oh, I see what this is. This is like, you've got pre-prepared answers for all of this. Yeah. Like, they're not going to be in-depth questions, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. Like, some again, some people, I think you're right. When it's, when it's too uh, scheduled or too structured, I think it can feel a little robotic, you know? And it's just a little bit too much by the book. But where it's just, you just go off the cuff, it's always good. Especially because, I mean, we're dealing with artists. Yeah. You know, like artists are creative in their nature. So like restricting an artist is like you're asking for it to be robotic and, and boring. Yeah. yeah. I've seen interviews like, like I do a lot of interviews and some of them tell that they're, they're told to ask only a certain thing. And the interview is very, yeah, boring, you know, just dry and bland. So. Well, hopefully this won't be the case. Um, we've talked about boring interviews, so we've got to make sure that we deliver on an entertaining one. But uh, welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. I'm with the great DNM. Um, the enemy. The enemy. Well, yes. I was like, I was like, <laughs> see, I always fuck up names. This is why I should probably it's okay. check. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but I was like, oh, DNM, because when I was growing up, everyone was like, oh, let's have a DNM, like a deep and meaningful. Um, so yeah. I was like, oh <laughs> shit, that's good. Um, that's good. So I was like, oh, it's deep and meaningful. I didn't even realize that was a thing back, yeah. like because you started like rapping early, like two thousand. So I was like, oh, he's ahead of the game. So yeah. it turns out the enemy. <laughs> Um, and I just made that mistake based on that's okay. <laughs> you know what? You know what's funny? I I just wait till someone pronounces it to see if they get it wrong or if they get it right. Only like two people have gotten it right, so it's okay. So it's totally fine. What do they usually say? I've seen people say a lot. I don't, they just it like they struggle to pronounce it. They they they're going through it in their mind, and I'm watching them do this, and I'm like, what what should I save them and let them know, right? But I'll let them go for a little bit. It's just like sometimes they try to sound it out, like they're like D, and like it just they just never get it fully, and then some people get it right off the cuff, which surprises me a lot of times. Well, I will say now that you explain it like that, it makes so much sense if you just say it phonetically. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's exactly what I tell people. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, as I said, the enemy. I almost said it again. I almost said DNM again. The uh, enemy is is coming through. He just dropped a single called Fighter as well. So make sure you check that out. Um, and you've done some pretty cool things. I mean, in your time, you've been on Sway in the Morning. You've worked with people like Sonya Blade, who is also yeah. a fantastic artist. But you know. I always wonder like how it feels being in the industry for so long because everyone tells me like it's it's a sport like it is rough to be in the industry for 
an extended period of time. It can just weigh on you. But how does it feel for you to be here where you are now? Uh, to be honest, it's uh, fulfilling. I'll be honest with you. I, I would say it's very fulfilling because I feel like I stuck with it and I stuck with it long enough to see, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly type of thing. And I guess in the beginning stages, you don't really visualize it like that. You know, you don't think, you, you know, I, when you start to make music or just be an artist, you don't really think about the long term of it. You just want to make your art. You know what I mean? But over the years, I guess seeing certain things made me realize that sometimes an artist can get into their own head in the business, you know, and that's kind of what makes them get a little weathered, so to speak, and like just beaten down by the industry. And it's, it really just depends on how you perceive everything. You know, I, I'm not going to say the industry is the easiest thing, but I do think if you have a strong like mentality, strong mindset, I do feel like you'll look at it differently than somebody else who may not have that enough to deal with what goes on in the business, like what they, what comes across their table, so to speak, you know? So for me, I would say definitely say fulfilling, you know, it was, I have always thought that uh, I would say over the years that I've been in it, yes, I've seen things that may have frustrated me, but then I would take a step back, you know, and just ask myself, okay, what were you frustrated about? Right. And usually what it comes down to is maybe my expectations of something, you know? So if something, if I had something planned and we're working towards getting something and it just falls through, I expected it to go right. You know, instead of just saying, you know, anything can pop up. So be prepared for that. Don't like put that out there that it's going to go wrong, but just kind of be mentally prepared that if it does go wrong, okay, what is your backup plan to do, you know, with anything, you know, as an example, that could be just trying to get a song out and then you got the song ready and everything is going right. And you find out the producer put a sample in it and it totally puts a stop to, you trying to release the record because you got to clear the sample and everything. And that's like another headache. But then again, right now going into records now, if that's the case, I kind of asked first while making the songs and stuff. So that's just an example though, of something that can, you know, kind of mess up the process, but yeah, like that's what it's like to be long-term, I guess you could say. Well, I'm interested to know, cause you said that artists kind of get in their own head. Like, yeah. what do you mean by that? What do they start to do? Because it sounds like that you're saying that, at the beginning, you don't really have that mental block. You're kind of just kind of almost open eyes. Everything is golden. You're you're looking at it, but like at what period and, and then what happens like internally? So basically I would say when you, when everyone starts off and I, I can speak for myself, I can't say every single person, maybe everyone has a different idea, but for the most part, for certain artists I've spoken to, and I could say this for myself, you start off just making music, you know, or rapping. And there's no like, idea of what that'll take, like take form into or take shape into, you know, you're just rapping and then you start really doing it a lot more and thinking, okay, you know what? I could probably turn this into a career. Like maybe after a couple of years, you're like, I really like doing this. And then with that decision, a lot more comes with it. You start to deal with, okay, if I'm trying to make this into a career, I got to make these certain moves. But then with these certain moves come these obstacles and roadblocks. And then another thought might be, well, I don't think this artist is dealing with that. And then, you know what I mean? Like you're starting to put these things in your head and then there's different things that pop up. And then maybe seeing something on the internet, this song just blew up, you know, song might be similar to yours or an idea. And you're like, why is that song doing well? Why is mine not doing well? You know? And it's like, okay, maybe I got to change my style or do this. And then all these thoughts start coming into your mind. And if you don't take a step back to be like, okay, you know what? what's like, what's important to me, first of all, like what is important to me? And you always kind of got to go back to why did you get into this in the first place? So for me, I wanted respect as a lyricist, you know, that was like the biggest thing for me to be 
respected for to, as being an MC. That was what it was. So at some at one point in my career, I stood back and I'm like, why why are you with certain things that don't go wrong? What is like bothering you? It's just the expectation of you wanting this extra thing. But in the beginning, you just wanted to rap, and you did that. You know what I mean? So like, you kind of gotta do these mental tricks to keep yourself in the right state of mind if you're deciding to be in the industry. If you're just doing it for fun, you don't deal with that stuff. But being in the industry, I think, comes with a lot of like roadblocks and obstacles and things that aren't necessarily even normal. You know, like usually as an example, if you, you like I said, you start off, you're making music, you have a song. If you give it to a DJ and if you feel like the song is great and you maybe heard a couple other people say the song is great and then this maybe change your life quote unquote, your mind you know says oh i'm not feeling the song right away that plays into your mind you know so you kind of got to be mentally strong to deal with that type of stuff you know the rejection the waiting all the stuff that you might be dealing with when you're in like an industry you know what i mean because again there is politics in it of course like there is that just happens in any industry but you really have to be strong-minded to understand that it's not necessarily you as an artist that they're like against, you know what I mean? Like, it's not you that's being like attacked for anything in your music or anything like that. It's just a lot of times this comes down to politics, taste, and just, you know, that's just what it is, right? It's not a personal attack. And I think a lot of artists, because we make art, they can get sensitive about, it's like, it's like my art, like someone, they're rejecting my art. Like, why is this, right? But it happens to everybody, right? I kind of learned to deal with that a little bit better now. So I don't really have those like mind things that go on that used to happen when I was younger. You know, as I got older in the business and started to like really look at it, I was like, your success is so subjective. You know, it's so different for every other, every, in, every artist in the business, like throughout history, it's been different for it. It's never been the same way of getting to their destination, you know? Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because it's like, sometimes it, it's hard for you to realize that everyone else is also looking after their own career. Yes. Like- so it's it's not it's honestly probably more a selfish thing than anything else. It has nothing to do with you. It has something to be like, well, you may be the tenth person who gave them a track to listen to, and they've got to choose, you know, five of ten, mm-hmm. and they got to choose the best ones, or they've got the people that they're de- DJing for have a very particular sound that they're looking for. Or there can be a bunch of reasons, you know, they're putting together a mixtape or there's a certain brand they have. So I think sometimes like we just get in our own head because it's like, if I give you something, it's like you and me, I don't see anything else. There's no context with regards to the other person. So I think that's a really good point of like understanding that just because it's a no today doesn't mean it's a no forever. It just means that it just wasn't right at the time. Yeah, sometimes sometimes things again they do take time. Sometimes <clears throat> it just might not be. It just again like I music is taste, right? Like it took me a while to learn that. Like a lot of times, some people that like lyricism and things like that, that just might not be what this DJ likes. You know, they literally might be like, "Look, I like choruses and beats. If I hear all this rapping, one verse and no chorus, I'm not playing it." You know, and I can understand to somebody who's like passionate where they could feel like, what, like, how, how could you not like this? Right. But even if you look at it in hip hop history, like hardcore lyrics, lyricists and lyricism and all that stuff still had to be transformed into like records 
interests in making an actual song, you know, like that infamous story with Biggie. He wanted to do, from what I heard, Unbelievable as like his single. And Puffy was like, hell no, like we're doing Juicy, right? And he, he hated it. You know what I mean? So it's the same thing. It's like, it's when you really step back and look at the history, sometimes you got to be like, if, if you are, do come from the world of being a lyricist and things like that, it's not a personal attack, right? A lot of this, it's the music business, right? Like business. So you have to understand that and kind of put yourself in check a little bit to be like, okay, you know what? Not a personal attack. What, what can I do to get to the destination I'm looking for? Or if I really don't want to do that, that's fine. You got to go in a different direction, but you can't get mad at that decision you make. You know, if you want to be I guess you could say on top, quote unquote, because that's like another conversation too. Like there's a lot that goes on to that. But if you want to be on top or whatever, you play the game. If you don't want to, if you want to be on top and do your own thing, you're going to be met with like a lot of obstacles, you know, and like roadblocks. It's just what it is. So I, I learned to deal with that a lot more and just not be and like mess with me in any way. Yeah, I think uh, it's 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 one of those things where it's just like, it just depends on, where you are at the time like it's just not a set thing like it's always changing and the the thing about the the different artists is like i i think this quite a bit actually with with artists is like there is a difference between a good rapper and an artist who can put together a good song i agree there is a huge like i i look at so many artists like to me 50 cent is not the greatest rapper alive I can, but, I can he, that, yeah. but he puts together songs like he he is amazing at hooks and mm. he can put together a catchy chorus so mm. that even if you're not into hip-hop you know that fucking chorus yeah and you can sing along to it and yeah. i think there is a misconception that you're either one or the other i think the best artists put mm. them together they put bars but something catchy i think that's why juicy is so good because Juicy has lyrics, but you can play it in the club and everybody gets on and everyone's like loving it. So I think there is just just a misconception of like one or the other. You can combine them. And I think it's a key skill set to becoming the best you can be is like, how do I put a real song together from start to finish that will hit multiple people? Yeah, well, I, I agree with you 100%. Like even <clears throat> in the reference of 50 Cent, when he first started, he was, uh, when he went to Jam Master Jay, he just had one long verse and Jay was like, this is cool, but where the hell's the hook, right? And like, he learned how to do hooks and everything. And at the end of the day, when you look at it, the a lot of people don't look at this, like I'm saying artists, right? They don't look at it because they're so involved in it. But when you really think about it, average listener, they don't understand like all those syllables and everything and like the, the metaphors and stuff. That's just not how they listen to music, right? It's usually the beat and the chorus. That's what they get. That's what hits them. And if you look at 50 Cent songs, a lot of his records have, uh, I guess you could say maybe a pre-chorus or just a, like some sort of melodic thing going on in the beginning of his song. So he doesn't even start with the verse usually. It's something else. And then he goes into, you know, his verse and his chorus and everything. And that's why, like, as to your point, it spreads so worldwide to everybody, you know. But a lot of times when you're talking about like true, like hardcore rappers and like MCs, I get it. They, they want to showcase their skill. Like their mind is wired to showcase, here's how nice I am. Listen to my lyrics. But the average person doesn't hear that. Like, it's just you, again, you have to love hip hop to just be like, I don't care about the choruses. I want to listen to just bars and like flows. That's just what it is. Right. And that unfortunately 
from what I've seen, people that listen to that, like it's a smaller community than the general public. You know what I mean? Like the general public just hears music as a casual listener, you know? So it's important that like artists, I'm, again, right? If you, if you don't care, if you're just like, look, I don't care. I'm gonna spit my bars and have like whoever listens. That's okay too. That that's fine too. But sometimes, I guess, with me, what I learned was through um, a producer I work with, John Bonus. He taught me that in terms of making the records. You know, he was like, you gotta, you gotta get to a wider audience, and you gotta do that by the music being a certain way and having strong choruses. And then you can do whatever the hell you want on the rapping. But this is important, you know. So uh, having a important, like having a good producer, helps as well with that, you know. Well, I think the key is like, I, I just look at it as a fan of hip hop. Like I don't make my own music or anything like that. But when I look at it objectively, 100% hip hop heads do love tracks without hooks because they're like, just give me some lyrical miracle shit. Let me just nerd out for a little bit on the complexity of these rhyme schemes and how you're putting the bars together and the imagery. But I also get that like, I put myself in a concert, right? You're, you're performing a show. Yeah, and okay, you have a fan base, but not every fan is going to know every song that you have. And if all you got is lyrical miracle shit, it's really hard to actually catch a lot of what's happening. But if you got catchy hooks, it just like anyone can literally listen to it and mm -hmm. feel it straight away and kind of become that. I think it's like a good kind of connection piece where you can bring a crowd together you can bring lots of people together in a really easy way and i think that is underrated with the importance of like just something simple even hooks that are too complex i'm like this is too much like i'm gonna struggle to wrap this along with you yes and like yeah and i want to be able to do that i think that's the purpose of the hook is like that's the point where you catch them and then you see if they can stay for the verse you catch and then you release, you catch yeah. and you release. And that's like the fun of it in a way. Yeah, no, of course. Of course. It's funny you say that. Cause uh, I was making, what song was it? I think it was, um, it might've been winning at the races. It might've been that one. And I remember John, the producer, when he was working on the beat, he's like, this is a format. He's like, chorus comes in. He's like, you get the hell out the way. He's like, then chorus is finished. You, you get in, do your verses and get the hell out the way and let the chorus do his job. Right. So I agree with you. I think, I just think that when you're, again, it depends on what artists you are, because there are artists who they do the reverse, right? They, they big choruses, they make sure the choruses are right. And they don't really care about the verses doing anything, but just, you know, giving insight to the song, like what the concept is, right? But they don't care about doing like lyrical gymnastics or anything like that. It's just not what they're into, right? So that's okay too. But um, it just depends if you're, if you're trying to have a broad audience, I definitely agree with you. You need to have like your courses in a certain way and everything. If you want to be a person that's just, you know, spitting bars and everything, which is nothing wrong with that. I love that too. I think you go in the direction of having more traditional beats, maybe like the boom bap type of beats and everything. And then you can do the rap courses and everything and, or the scratch courses. And that's just your style. Right. But, and I think there's some MCs that are okay with that. You know, like, like I pride myself on trying to do both only because I listen to, music like that as well, right? Like I listen to a lot of lyrical rap, but I do appreciate good songs as well. So it's good to incorporate both of those things into what you're doing, you know, to make great music. Well, we spoke about Biggie, like kicking the door to me. The hook on kicking the door is a perfect example of lyrical 
hook yep. that is easy to go with. Like when yes. he says kick in the door, wave in the four four. Every, you can't help but want to say kick in the door, wave in the four four. Like you you can't help yeah. yourself. So it's that's a great example of like you can still be a rapper, but yes, you put together a good hook that is easy to understand. It's complex enough, but simple enough. So, and I think the big key, I'm not saying just get someone to sing a chorus. It doesn't have to be that, but it just mm-hmm. has, has to have enough of a simplistic nature for anyone to be able to do. And I think yeah. that is that is the key. But I think it's just a difficult thing to wrap your head around, especially because you've been working on being a lyricist. Like there's so many artists who are like, I want to be the best lyricist. Mm. And then creating a simple hook goes against everything you've been working on, which is yeah. like, which is flexing. Like you want to show off a little bit and then a yeah. hook, you really don't show off that much. You just kind of want to take them. So it's kind of like this weird, it's like going against a bit of your nature where you just got to like simplify it and make it easy. Yeah, I think, I think that's true. I think as well, um, a lot of artists may just have not taken the time to understand the process that goes into that because the thing is you can still be lyrical as you want on the verses. Cause even this is just my opinion, like a casual listener, right? When they hear a song for the first time, even if the verses are slower and not as lyrical, they still haven't digested that whole thing. It's just hard. Like it's the chorus cause it repeats and it's chanting. Sometimes they can ingest that a lot faster than the verses. So you can be as lyrical as you want. I mean, if the song doesn't call for it, you can dial back and everything, but I think a good example of that too was Jay-Z. He really did that over time, you know, like earlier on, he was a lot more lyrical fast. And then as he got more commercial, I think he dumbed it down as he like famously says, he dumbed it down the choruses, but he's still being dope on some of those verses. Some of those verses are very good. And like, in terms of just lyrical, right. But he just understood how to do it. And I think some people to your point, it's like, yeah, they focus so much on lyricism and it's like, if we do anything that's like dumbed down, no way, you know? And a good example I could think of that did it right was Lupe Fiasco on Dumb It Down. I think how he did it was the verses were super complex. Three verses, super lyrical, but the chorus, he's like, dumb it down. You know, that saying you can't rap with me, Lupe, dumb it down. Like he, so he's doing that. It was just a chant basically. And the thing is, for me, I thought that was brilliant the way he did it, but Again, I don't know if a lot of people even want to do that, you know, because they might be like, those verses are so high level. Why would I throw a chorus in there like that? Let's just scratch something in or like, let's do more of a rap chorus. But then the problem with that is if you have very intricate lyrics and then you do a chorus, the listener might not even be able to decipher what the verse and the chorus is. You know what I mean? Like, so there's that. I I, I do agree with you. I think I think it it's a hard thing for some artists to do, but I was able to figure it out because I had a good producer that came in and was like, look, you rap like well at this, like you rap well. So let's let's add the right music to this and let's do it properly. You know what I mean? Like, and that's hard for some people to do. They just don't want to make that sacrifice. Well, it takes me ages to decipher like the full breadth of any lyrics. Like yeah, of of really because like I miss so much. Like you can only hear so much and you just and sometimes I just go on rap genius and I'm just like, let me read the lyrics. Yeah. Cause like, I know I'm missing a hell of a lot. Um, yeah. but you said 
your producer. So did you, what was the advice he gave? Like, because were you just doing lyrical things and was he really pushing like the sonic kind of structure of a song? So when I met him, I was making songs for sure. And I was definitely doing choruses and I was aware of melody and different things like that. But he, I think when I got to him, a lot of the songs, even if they had choruses, they were just very like rap heavy, right? So they're very rap heavy or they had like, I had to have a DJ like scratch some stuff in just to like, you know, sum up the record and everything like that. And then when he listened to it, he's like, okay, your strength is obviously rapping. He's like, we just have to add the right music to that. Cause I think some of the music I was doing at the time, it wasn't that it wasn't good. It's just for a broad audience, the average listener might be like, okay, it's cool, but it's not for me kind of thing. Or they just would tune out because even that's like a science in itself, right? The music itself, the production has to draw people in. You know what I mean? Like you could have a cool hook, but if the beat is horrible, it just would turn people off. Right. And that's the thing I learned was through him was you can, you can rap how you want on these records, but it just has to make sense. Right. And if you want to do like rapidy rap stuff or whatever, there's like a time and place for that. You know what I mean? Like you can do that in ciphers and at like radio stations and things that at like acapellas at shows. But if you're doing that only with your music, I think it can make your music a little limited. You know, because again, a lot of people won't understand that. It's just what it is, right? So he taught me to, again, the right production and then having the choruses right. And depending on the song, you can go a little hard with the lyrics, you know? But if it's something that's a little bit more conceptual, you might want to dial back a little bit so people kind of digest what you're saying in the verses, even if they don't catch it the first time just applying the right lyrics and like the right amount of, I guess you could say gas on the, the lyrics or whatever to go in hard enough or just be like, okay, you know what? Dial back a little bit, which is not always a bad thing. Cause you can still, you can do a little bit of like lyrical tricks here and there within verses or whatever to, you know, prove to show that your lyrics are still at a high level. You know what I mean? But you don't have to do that like out the gate or whatever. And no one's going to get mad or be like, oh, you're not a great rapper. If like the first verse, you kind of did it a little bit slow. And then, you know, second verse, you dialed it up or whatever. So, but yeah, he definitely told me about just paying, I guess you could say paying attention to the production. That wasn't the most important key, right? It was the production because again, it's important to have good production and then the good chorus, you know, but the production has to be impactful because Outside of that, people aren't going to really listen to it like that, you know, and sometimes with those songs that helps draw the listeners in. Do you know what I mean? Like whoever hears it, that song where the production was great and you weren't going super hard lyrically, that might draw somebody in. And then you got other records there that you are being lyrical and you're doing stuff that you want to do. They get into that. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested to know how long it took you to really learn that lesson, because it's always one thing to be told. It's another thing for it to sink in. Do you know how long it took you to really conceptualize it and have it hold within your own head? I think, so I met him, I met John in uh, 2015. And I think it took me till 2018 to fully understand what he was talking about. And I'll tell you why, because we did uh, Bad AF. That was the first record we did. Now, Bad AF, like the verse is like really fast, right? So I already had that pre-recorded because every time like I work with a new producer, I usually try to take something that I have ready to go so I can see what they can do around it. Right. Because I'm like, 
we, our chemistry might not be right yet. So let me just have something. And it's like, here's me rapping. Let's see what you can do. So we did that great record. It was cool, but we, again, from the ground up. So in 2018, when I went to work with them again, I remember we actually had worked in 2017, but we weren't doing singles yet. 2018 is when I sat and I was like, Hey, I want to work on like some singles. And one of the th- opportunities was, but we were potentially going to be able to get played on Sway, like through the radio station. So it was in the works. It didn't, it, it fell through. But at the time I was like, Oh, this might be an opportunity. So I wanted to do something like raw, my song raw. I wanted to do something super lyrical. And he was like, okay, here's the thing. He's like, if you have an opportunity to get played on the radio, he's like, we should make a song that has enough potential to maybe be played more than one time. Because he's like, if it's just some rap stuff, they'll play it, but they'll never play it again. Right. So I was like, oh, that makes sense. And then as he was making the beat, I was like mumbling like ideas or whatever. And then he kind of was like, you know what, for this, you should probably dumb your flow down and slow down your flow. It's like, oh, okay. So I kind of was going through some ideas. And then as I recorded it, I was like, okay, I, 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 get, what he's, I get what he's saying now. I, I get it. You know what I mean? It, it clicked at that moment because I was like, he's doing the same thing Puff did to like Biggie. Like, I'm not saying that Puff told him to dumb down the lyrics, but the beat alone made Biggie not go hardcore on that song. You know what I mean? Like he was celebration of life and everything. But if you listen to some of his other stuff, it's, there's a lot more intricate wordplay going on in some other records, you know what I mean? But Juicy was again, celebration of life. And it wasn't necessarily dumbed down, but I feel like it was a lot more understood than his like mixtape stuff, you know? So I would say, yeah, from 2015, he didn't mention that then, but like 2018, it kind of like, you know, working with him and just figuring stuff out. And then when he said it, it, it hit me right there. But it, it before John, like I said, that would have taken me over 10 years to figure that out, right? Like that's just what it would have been because I met John 10 or 12 years after me rapping. You know, so it took a long time to just get to a person to give you that information, because a lot of times producers like John's a real producer, you know what I mean? But there's a lot of times where you get with people that are more beat makers and they don't give you direction on the record. Like they don't say, okay, you know what? You should go in this direction. You know, you should kind of do this because had he not said to me, switch your flow, I would have went with a flow that was similar to out in the morning, you know? I would have went with that or whatever. And hold on, my light just popped off. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> you saw that, right? Hold yeah, on. I did. Yeah. I just want to make sure it's good because this is not. Yeah, my light it's... messed up, but you can still see me, right? I yeah, I can to... still see you. Yeah, it's okay, always we're good, we're good. It's always right. funny that it's it's gotta happen uh when you're yeah. when you're in an interview, it's like Murphy's Law. It's still it's still light outside, so it's all good. We'll do this. <laughs> we'll improvise. You know, I've done <laughs> interviews where literally it's it starts as daytime they're in their car and then yeah. it gets darker and darker and then it just becomes a silhouette i can barely see a thing That's but crazy. like yeah so yeah this is not even close to that it will be, it will be <laughs> okay okay good so yeah no, i got a little curtain open there but yeah so what i was saying was i think sometimes with beat makers it's like you get with them they don't give you the direction of the song right so it's very hard to even get that knowledge if somebody's not giving it, you know? And luckily, like, fortunately enough, John was nice enough to say, hey, you should do this. You know, I think he does that with all, like, artists that he works with. He just kind of gives them some tidbits to help improve, right? And that's, like, the best thing you want to do. You want to keep evolving in your sound. So, yeah, it definitely took a while, though, to figure that out. Like, the idea of making a song in the proper way, I guess you could say, took a while. 
Do you think you were too attached to being like the image of what you wanted yourself to be, which is to be renowned for your lyricism? Do you think that was what was holding you back before you learned that lesson? Uh, I don't think it was holding me back per se. Like I still am attached to lyricism now, but I just put it this way. Like I understand when it's the time to do it. You know what I mean? Like it's, I, I compare it to, if you're having a conversation with maybe your guy friends, right? The conversation's a little bit different than if you're having it with like your wife or something like that, if she walks in the room, you know what I mean? And I know it's like reading the room, right? So I, I compare it to like reading the beat. So if a beat comes on and I'm like, okay, this is, you gotta go hard on this one. You know what I mean? I know that my mind's like, okay, you can attach that that way. If I'm working with John and he, cause John, again, he, he more likes to make things that are just, like it would hit the broader audience. You know what I mean? Like his sounds feel like that. It's not something where it's like, oh, you're just gonna throw this on a mixtape. Unless you like ask him to make that. I'm sure he has that stuff too. But for me, I was like, I learned how to just focus my skill for when it's necessary, right? So if I have to maybe dial back a little bit, I understand how to do that, right? But before I think I didn't have that skill. You know, I think everything was attack the beat, no matter what it was, attack the beat this way. Even if I was doing a record, that was, let's say it was conceptual, really deep, right? I was, I think what I was a little bit fearful of is having the lyrics not as complex. Cause I was like, oh man, if it's not as complex, it's gonna seem like they're gonna like question my skill. And I was like, that's not even a real thing, right? It's like the song calls for you being conceptual and deep. Why would you put all these like syllables and everything that people might not catch, right? Like the whole point is having the best verse for that song. You know, so whatever the, the fitting verse for that song. So if something is not as complex as it was on this song, that's okay if it fits the song and the production that you're rapping over, you know? So I think I learned how to do that as a, more than anything else. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that when you're studying hip hop, especially as like, you know, when you're younger, the thing that attracts you is not the choruses, it's the bars. Yeah. It's the complexity yeah. of the bars. It's like, how the fuck did they put together that verse to make it sound the way they did? And so yeah. this weird mindset of like, I'm studying the greats in the sense of I'm looking at the way they literally put it together. It yeah. gets to a point where it's extremely difficult to switch off because yeah. you've been obsessed with that since yeah. you've started. And so like to... I, like I can only, it's like if you're a sprinter, and they're like just jog, and you're yeah. like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like I'm not jogging in this race, I'm sprinting. That's my job. And they're like, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. Today you're just jogging. It's enough yeah. to jog. So like I can I can imagine that's the feeling of like you're putting the brakes on because you're not giving your all to like a skill that you've been developing for years and years and years and years, even though it's all in the same skill set and you're tapping into one of the skills you have, it's like you're not pushing the boundaries of what you can physically do. Yeah. I think, you know, what was also a moment like for me was the bar Jay-Z spit on moment of clarity where he was like, uh, I dumbed down for my audience to double my dollars He's like, they criticize it for me, yet they all y'all holler. If skill soul, truth be told, I probably be lyrically Talib Kweli. Truthfully, I want to rhyme like common sense, but I did five mil. I ain't been rhyming like common sense, right? So I remember hearing that and shitting my pants. I was like, holy fuck, <laughs> right? Because I got it right away. I was like, holy shit. He 
does want to rap at the caliber of Talib Kweli and guys like that who are respected to the highest degree in hip hop. But he understands that the average person does not get that. And I don't think it was just about money, but I do get the idea of like, for him, it was more about, okay, this is working. Why am I going and racking my brain to do all this other stuff when you're buying into this? Like, I'm not going to do that. Right. And I remember thinking to myself, he figured out how to do it. He speaks about it a lot in interviews too, right? He speaks about how he learned how to certain records you can dial back foot off the gas or whatever. And that's one of those things where sometimes you see certain rappers that when they do go commercial, it's like they try to say, okay, I'm going to make a commercial hit and it clashes because they're rapping so hardcore on these beats. Like I noticed it with Slaughterhouse, right? Which hurt my soul. Like with Slaughterhouse, like I was like, cause I really wanted to see a group like that do so well. And I felt like some of the songs, I was like, man, the choruses might've been right. But I don't know if, like, they didn't dial up. They just didn't. So if there was a clash there or something went on in certain songs, you know what I mean? And I'm like, man, they didn't do that. Like, at least I felt like, I was like, with the Jay-Z thing, I was like, he does that. Like, he did it on Hard Knock Life, you know? Like, he really dumbed down his lyrics on Hard Knock Life compared to, like, Can't Knock the Hustle or something like that. So just me studying these type of things helped me, like, digest that concept from John a lot easier. Like, had I not... I really studied growing up, right? I would watch a lot of interviews and stuff. So had I not done that, I might've been a little bit more reluctant to change my style or just, you know, alter it according to the record. I, I think I would have been more hesitant to do that. I don't know if I would have been that comfortable, you know, say if someone said, hey, dumb it down. I mean, what? I'm not doing that, you know? So I'm glad I had those lessons earlier on. It's interesting that you bring up Slaughterhouse because I'm a fan of Slaughterhouse as well. Super and, fan of them, yeah. And I think they have multiple challenges the first is that they're all extremely like extremely skilled lyricists and so when you're going head to head and when you're on tracks with other killers you got to bring the bars so it's it's extremely challenging for one of them to slow it down even though if even though it could have been the better move for the song because you got three other guys who are just going all out so like it's that's number one, the pressure of like always having to have killer bars because you just have a group full of people who just make unbelievable lyrical choices is one thing. And then the other is like, I think that's what's held all of them back in their careers in terms of Mm -hmm. hitting the mainstream. Like Royce is probably the biggest he's ever been, but I still think that like he's, his complexity has, held him back in terms of being able to hit the precipice of like the next level. And he's, and I personally think sometimes he was, he was definitely underrated at the beginning of his career. He's definitely got a lot of fans now, but I mean, people like Joe Budden, he's the biggest he's ever been because of the podcast rather Mm -hmm. than because of just his lyrical ability and King Crooked. He's, he's everyone loves him in hip hop circles but like if I talk about King Crooked to people who are not hip hop fans, they don't know who he is. And so there's I think that is the difference that like everyone I speak to talks about King Crooked in terms yeah. of like because everyone's in hip hop. But yeah, anybody think, else doesn't really. Yeah, like I think <clears throat> I think you bring up good points with that. I, I felt like I think for what they were doing on the underground, I think it would have worked to this day. 
right? I think they could have been that. And I, I, again, I don't, I don't, obviously I don't know them personally, but I think maybe some members might've had the, the idea of like, let's try to make this bigger or whatever the case may be, right? And sometimes I feel with this, I don't think need to try for the mainstream. You know, I know it sounds like crazy to some people because people think like I used to think, oh, every artist wants to be mainstream, right? I don't think it's necessary because I think some songs or some artists, their style is like it's better suited, like just the underground and having that fan base, that like hardcore fan base that like loves you rather than going into that world where you probably like live and die by a hit record. You know what I mean? Like you like they couldn't be as much as like Shady Records is like hip hop to the fullest, right? they still, there still needed to be a single. It's why Eminem, like in his career, he had the earlier singles, like the My Name Is, The Real Slim Shady. They needed something to sell though that him, him as an artist in those albums, you know what I mean? Like even the story of his second album where he thought I'm Back was going to be the single, you know? And Jimmy Iovine was like, nah, that's not, we need something else. And he was so confused and it clicked for him there. He was like, when he made The Real Slim Shady, he was like, oh shit, like that's what they were looking for. And I think with Slaughter, the thing is, when they were doing it, they were just releasing songs, you know? If they did an album, they had the, the single called The One, which I thought was amazing, right? But I don't know if that breaks in the mainstream, but it works in their world, you know? So then when you get to this mainstream level and now you got to worry about choruses and like the right beat, and to your point, none of them want to slow down, you know? Like nobody, like even on Hammer Dance, which I thought was, I mean, if they went for the mainstream thing, I would have kept it to Hammerdance. Like that to me was the right single for them. Like I thought that vein was the right thing to go with, right? And maybe build on that. That's just my opinion though. But even on Hammerdance, it's like Royce didn't have a verse. He was just on the chorus or whatever. And it's like, it's like that's as much a dubbing down as they're going to do. And even on the chorus, he was like a little lyrical. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's very hard to, um, you're, uh, amongst a four-man group that are all, lyrical killers it's very hard to adapt to i think the main you know i, I compare it to um i compare it to professional wrestling i really think hip-hop is so similar because if you look at like big time professional wrestling they got to do it a certain way that's for the casual viewer you know but if you look at like indie wrestling they do a lot of flips and they do so many different things that are more athletic that would never fly on like network television you know what i mean so i look at it and i'm like man that's so interesting because some people that like, again, in, in wrestling, some people that are amazing and they're so athletic, they get to the main show and they're nothing. It's like, uh, like, do you know what I mean? It's like, you should have stayed in the, uh, what's called the independent scene. So I think for Slaughterhouse, like I would, looking back at what happened, I loved how they made an impact in the underground. I don't know if that would, I don't know if that would have been able to translate. You know what I mean? Like, even if you kept it at Hammer Dance, I don't know if it would have done that, because even as, a, as an example with Eminem, it's like he was able to work because he was able to do those singles that translated, you know what I mean? But his singles weren't, like The Way I Am wasn't a first single, you know what I mean? Or like Role Model wasn't a first single. It's like they had the My Name Is, they had the Real Slim Shady, Just Lose It. You had to do that. It's only until like Recovery were his singles a little bit more serious, like the Not Afraid. But throughout like his years, you know what I mean? He's doing something to draw people in. So I think for Slaughterhouse, I don't know if they would have been able to do that, you know, if they had that, like, I don't even know what the production would have been or how they would have approached that, you know, but because that's what they're known for, just rapping, you know, lyrically. Well, and I think the hardest part is like with four guys, you've got to get them all to agree on the same vision of the same song. Hard thing and to like, do, man. 
especially because th- it's not like these guys started their careers together. Mm-hmm. They came together when they were all significant players in hip hop. So like they've got more than just <clears throat> like, it's not like they're just trying to get big. They've still got a brand to protect. They've still got their fans that they got to make sure hit. And I think they, they have mentioned, but it was really hard to figure out touring. It's really hard to figure out your next album because you also got solo projects that are coming out. So it's like, it becomes a point where, and I think this was part of the, why they kind of fell apart is -hmm. because like they were all prioritizing their own careers, which is fair enough. Mm -hmm. But because of that, you cannot have a group scenario where like my priority is me and your Mm -hmm. priority is you and your priority is you, because then of course we're not going to agree. Yeah. Like it, it won't happen. Yeah, it's like really, and that's the thing, like that was what was disheartening about the whole situation because I remember when they got to Shady Records, like this might be something. I was like, okay, let's see how this goes. And I didn't really think like it would, I I, I was curious to know what, how they were going to roll that out. You know what I mean? And then what really messed with me was like the My Life single. Like, you know what I mean? I remember seeing that and I was like, man, I don't know if that fit for like for them you know what i mean like it just wasn't a fit but again i understand why that might have been a choice among whoever like the label whoever to use that as a single because you need to draw somebody in otherwise you're just having like four guys rap and like who buys the album who who gets into it if you don't have something to hook people right so i do understand that aspect of it but i just feel to your point yeah like they're they started as individuals right so it's like nobody wants to be below everyone and who knows maybe after it was an idea of like solo projects which kind of did happen here and there like royce released a couple solo projects you know and joel ortiz did some stuff they all nobody even did one after like his final one the raging raging the machine album you know like i think they all did their own thing so you're right maybe it's just came a time of you can't have that priority on like you said you know solo stuff if you want to if you have this group right but i thought what they did organically was amazing and i thought it should have stayed you know, in that underground space. I know everyone like has those aspirations, so I, I can respect it, but I just feel like if something's working in that way and that's like, those are your fans, like there's a lot of ways you could expand that, but man, like it's, it was disheartening to see them like break up and then what happened with the rise and fall thing, right? I was like, oh, this is crazy. Cause I really thought they were coming back. You know, when I saw that promo, I was like, oh damn, they're back. I was like, yes. And then it was, it was done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love their first album. That's what I really loved. And it felt like the second album, they were trying to find the commercial success that they didn't have in the first one. Like the first one was a lyrical miracle project where it was like, if you're a hip hop fan, this is your shit. Like you're going to get into it because it's just them going hard. And then, yeah, in the second one, they kind of like started to play with simplifying it, but you know, they made interesting choices like they had a song Goodbye and they were talking yeah. about loss in their life. And yeah. I like that song, but Royce isn't there. And then Royce yeah. releases his own project and he has his lead single, which is Tabernacle. Yes. And it's a same it's it's the same concept, but he obviously was like, You're gonna have to do this on your own. Yeah. And I'm gonna have to do this because I want this in my album. 
Yeah. Because it's like a, I think it's like a five, six minute song. Like it is huge. He goes through, it's really good, but it's also like that. As soon as I saw those two, I was like, I get it now. They, they are not prioritizing the group project. They're prioritizing their own music. And like, fair enough. Like I said, fair enough. I get it. You've got other shit that you're doing. So like, that to me was the beginning of me seeing that like, oh, okay, if that's what's happening, there's, they can't survive too long. Yeah, I think, <clears throat> see, that's the thing, right? It's, it's, and that's why I, I always say like with, I'm not even gonna say groups. I just say like underground artists sometimes, like I, I really think sometimes you have to be careful about going to a label thinking like, okay, this is like, I'm gonna blow up and be this big star or whatever, because it's different than it was in the early 2000s. You know what I mean? Just the marketing and everything is very different. And I think if you're not aware of like the space that your music is in and I get it, there's nothing you can predict, right? But at the same time, you got to look and say, okay, if we do this, how much of my brand is going to be like altered? And that comes with the music as well. Like is my, like my first album was this. So my second album, so to speak on a label should be this on steroids. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can polish things up, but I, there was some, definitely some good songs on that album. But if you look at the difference with Griselda, their sound didn't really change. But then if you look, their sound didn't change, but ask yourself, how big did they really get being on the label? You see what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, it didn't really do like massive numbers for them or anything like that, or it didn't really make them bigger. Maybe I'm, I'm sure a lot of people did hear about them, but that was the thing, right? It's, they stayed the same. So it's like Slaughterhouse changed and it's like, people were like, oh, this is not really it. Griselda, I do think maintained their fans, you know, and maybe got some new listeners, but that's what it was. Their sound was their sound, you know, and they kind of stuck with it. And I think that's a tricky thing, you know, because again, when you're in the mainstream, I think your, your reach is more casual listeners. You're going to get to a broader audience and, I don't know how much of like the traditional hip hop resonates with like just a casual listener, you know, because again, you have to, the hip hop culture, if you're, if you're not like familiar with it or you're unaware of it, this music won't make sense all the time. You know, it just won't like, cause the music is different. Like if you grow up on, again, something like, think about, what was the, think about, I'm trying to think of a good, like what people might, have known like LL Cool J people are very familiar with right but think about his first album the radio album you know think about how that the production was on that but then he was able through the eras to change with the times right having a good producer and I think like LL's a legend he just is able to transition and do that he's just that good right but some people would have never wanted to leave past radio and some of the fans that hear radio, they're like, that's my shit. This new stuff, like they're like headsprung. I'm not listening to that. that. That's not LL to them, you know? But again, those people grew up knowing like hip hop and evolving and understanding the earlier stages. But if you put, if you put like a casual listener to listen to some of the most prominent hip hop records now, they might not understand it. You know what I mean? So that's like always an interesting thing to me. I find with artists, cause I don't even know if artists fully realize that either, you know, when they kind of have their music and they don't see why maybe the casual fan likes it or not, they don't understand that it's just what they're used to, you know, cause traditional hip hop hasn't been in the mainstream for a very long time. It's been really underground. Well, I think the, the interesting point with Griselda is like, 
they know their sound. The sound is grimy, lyrical, kind of gangster-esque shit. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they have that. And Benny the Butcher started his own label as well. So, like, they have that control of their music to be like, hey, I know what my lane is. I know yes. what's coming in. And I think you're right. Like, for a casual listener, it's difficult for your first entrance to be gun-toting, kind of bitch-smacking, kind of <laughs> that shit. Like, it's very aggressive to, like, be able to yeah. wrap your head around. Because it's mm. like you kind of got to understand, like, the culture of it and that just because it's said doesn't mean it's meant. Like, there's 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 a nuance in hip-hop that the aggression there doesn't necessarily translate to real aggression. Yeah, it's yeah. like an outlet, an entertainment. It's a metaphor for other things that are happening at the same time. And it's like there is a huge complexity with it. So I think you're 100% right that the average fan needs to learn about hip-hop before they're ready. And I think probably other genres would probably say the same thing. Like rock would probably yeah. say you need to learn about rock before you really understand rock. And yeah. same as country and everything else. But I think there is this definite space of like what is easy to listen to, what is mm. easy to consume. And that's why, you know, we, we talked – I mean, I've talked about why, you know, between 2010 and 2020 – music without lyric or without meaningful lyrics was so popular it's because mm, yeah. it doesn't require a the next level of complexity to understand you just listen to it does it feel good yes that's it whereas like hip-hop it may feel good but because there's the complexity underneath it it makes it difficult to just like actually get your head around what's happening yeah, no, I agree. Cause I think uh, I heard DJ Premier say, he's like, you gotta know how to listen to hip hop. And he's like, it's not like, some people actually don't, right? Like for some people, beat comes on right away. It's just not what they're familiar with. And like, they just, it, they're lost automatically, right? So a lot of the new music, as you said, it's more, it's more uh, not like not strong on the lyrics, but definitely more of a vibe and more melodic right? A lot of people like melody. Now, when you look at the most traditional rap records, they're not necessarily melody in like guys that are just rapping and just, you know what I mean? Going at it, killing it on the beats or whatever. There's not necessarily the melody of that, you know? And if you, again, weren't conditioned to listen to that, when something like that comes on in 2022, you're like, what the, what is this? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a different thing. So even there's a lot of friends of mine that I grew up with that didn't grow up on hip hop like that. And they were telling me that like, yeah, you, you taught me how to listen to this because I didn't understand it before. And I was like, well, yeah, like it's not, you can't li- like, it's, it's the words are really important in hip hop. That's why with me, if I hear, if I hear a song, right. If the beat, like the beat has to be really bad for me to tune out. Right. But if I know it's a rapper, I don't even care what they're saying on the beat. Like even with some of Royce's stuff. Right. I would say that some people would listen to Royce's, some of his albums and be like the beats, uh, but I think the beats are great. But again, I'm listening to it from his like, you know, so when I'm hearing something, I'm listening to what he's actually saying and digesting that. For me, the beat comes like second. I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, the beat, okay, cool. But I didn't even notice the beat was doing this or that. I was like, holy crap, he was talking about this. Like for me, I think Death is Certain is one of his best albums. Like I think, I, I get, he probably hates it because like he was not in a great place, but I think everything he was saying and how he was coming across with his bars were, um, it was amazing. 
And the beats, I think, were cool, right? Like, the beats weren't, like, 50 Cent's level of beats. They weren't, like, Dre production. But for what he was saying, I was like, wow, I was, like, really in tune with this, right? Whereas 50 Cent, I definitely listen to what 50 Cent is saying. But the beats get you right away. Do you know what I mean? Like, when you hear the beat, like, Get Rich or Die Trying, when you hear that in comparison to, like, Power of the Dollar, he still had choruses and stuff on Power of the Dollar and different things. I do think he was rapping a little bit more, though. I think he definitely was a little bit more focused on that. I think when trying, he kind of put in a little bit more of the uh, Southern style, you know, in some of his enunciation and things like that. So I definitely think when you listen to it, it's a full package. When you listen to 50 Cent, it is like his prime, you know, but with Royce, for me, I'm sure a lot of people that listen to him, or if they grew up on him, they feel the same way. It's his lines, his bars. Same with guys like King Crooked and all those guys, right? It's like you're listening to their bars, but that's not how person down the street that doesn't know listens to it. You know, they got to hear the melody. They got to hear the song a certain way. So, and that's one thing I learned throughout my career was it's, some people actually don't care about that, you know? So if you got to kind of know who you're rapping for, and if you, you have to accept the fact, like I don't, I'm never bothered if I make the most lyrical track and someone's like, most people are not tuned in with it because then I would have made it for me. You know what I mean? Like I was like, I'm making this for me. Like I want to rap this way, but I also know how to slip out of that. I also like try to do different things all the time. You know, I try to be versatile with it. So I don't mind switching different things, but for some rappers, it's just not what they want to do, you know? So it's a tricky thing to figure out. It's interesting because I am a beat first hip hop listener. Really? Nice. Yeah. Like I, because Get Rich or Die Trying was the first hip hop album I ever listened to. So what mm. got me first was okay. beat, was yeah, yeah. was the beat. But like for, for me now, like I do play huge importance on lyrics, but if the beat is not good, I, I, I'm like, you fuck this up. Your lyrics are good. I can't handle the beat though. The beat like just messes with me. And I'm like, you're saying cool shit, but you need to choose a better beat. Because yeah. like- I could- yeah. No, so I can I, see what, where you, what you mean with that. I, I've, I've heard people say that. So like, but an interesting thing about Royce, I agree. I love Death is Certain. Second place, such a good track. Um, the song that got me was Security, where he was talking about proof. Oh, um, that's, that's Success, success is, certain. is Certain. Yeah, yeah. yeah Death is Certain is the second album. Success so, is Certain might be the fourth or fifth, but I know which one you're talking about. That's a good, the security song is really good. Yeah. So that yeah. was, that was like, cause I heard Bad Meets Evil held the sequel um, as well. And that was like, to and that to me is like Royce at his like peak of his powers. Cause I actually think he beats Eminem on that album. In my opinion, personally, I think there's, he, there's he wins, he yeah. wins. And then like security success is certain. Those songs to me, are so I mean, I've been a big fan of Royce for a, for a long time. I think most recently I haven't been a huge fan. I think the challenge for Royce right now is because he's also producing his own tracks. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of time away from what you're doing lyrically. Like it is a brand new skill set, and I admire that he can do it all. But I also think, and to be fair as well, to be fair to Royce. He's developing as an artist and I've loved what he's been doing. And like, he's not always going to be like, yeah, be able time. to cater to me. So I think it, it really is interesting to, to, to talk about the way we listen to music because mm. I'm still working on my ear and I've been yeah. listening to hip hop 
for like 20 years and I'm yeah. still working on my ability to pick things up on how I dissect beats, on how I dissect lyricism, how I look at songs in general. So like I think that is always interesting to see how people are comparing song to song and I think that's why everyone's top five is so different because it's like yeah. how do you rate a top five? Is it the beats that they choose? Is it the lyrics? Is it both? Is it the songs? Like there's no real criteria. With, with that, always with top five and like top lists or whatever, I always base it, and just me personally, from the skill of rap. Like for, so for me, it may change month to month, whatever, or year to year, but it starts with the skill of rap because I feel it's like, and I, I this might not, it might go a little off topic in terms of the rap, but it makes sense in my head. It's like, for me, I always compare, if we're talking about hip hop, like for me, it starts with like the rap, not the overall culture, but the skill of rap it starts with the rapping first, like that, the skill of that, you know what I mean? Like how, how you write the rhymes, how you deliver the rhymes and all that. Right. Because in like the earliest stages of hip hop, there's like a generation of MCs that never recorded, you know, they're just rapping in the park. So it's like, there's this generation of guys that never made music, you know, it was just who raps the best. So I always base it off of that. I'm like, okay, that's what I'm looking at with the rap skill. But if somebody says, okay, Put that aside for a second. Who do you think may that's going to be a way different list than it is for my, my favorite lyricists or favorite like skillful rappers? You know what I mean? Because I do think there's people that make great music that I wouldn't consider them my favorite rapper. They're, they wouldn't even be on my list. And that's not a disrespect to them. It's just their emphasis is really not on rapping the best. You know what I mean? It's just not a thing for them. Because when I listen to like, as an example, if I listen to Kanye West, I listen to Kanye West from a overall artist standpoint. So I'm not, I'm not going like, as soon as like I go to hear his stuff, I'm not like, okay, what's he gonna say in these bars, right? It's more like, what's the song, the overall song, what's the message, how well he put this record together. And even though he might say some cool stuff, he to me is not like, again, rapping better than Royce. You know, he's not doing it like, like Crooked Eye or something like that, or he's not coming at me like, I don't know if you've heard of Sky Zoo, He's an underground rapper from New York. Oh, yeah, like, he's great. Amazing. You know what I mean? So, if, yeah, so if, if they're not coming at it from that standpoint, that's okay. But I listen to them for what they are. And, like, what I was going to segue into was it's how I compare, like, the ghostwriting conversation, right? A lot of people, some people get mad. Some people don't understand it. I always tell people, I'm like, look, ghostwriting is as simple as this. If you were in a cipher, right? Whether you were watching it, let's say you were a viewer of a cipher, you're just on the side, you're watching five guys do a cipher. All five guys said the cipher and you, it was the craziest lines you could imagine. And everyone's giving each other props. And one guy's like, oh, thanks, man, but I didn't write it. You'd be like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? That's where like the ghostwriting thing comes to me. I always look at it from that standpoint. Now, from what I do understand in the music industry, I wouldn't have it happen, but a lot of people do get things written for them and they take ideas or whatever, because it's about making the best song. You know what I mean? And I understand the fine line because in hip hop, it was like, well, you got to take these principles, hip hop, right? Which I do respect. And like I said, I couldn't have anybody ever write for me. Like it would be, I wouldn't do it, right? Like I would feel like I was letting myself down in like the culture of hip hop, what I grew up on, right? But I follow those principles and a lot of people that do make music, they don't care about that. It's not a factor. They're like, I'm making the best record. No one's going to care, especially again, going back to our point. If you don't understand hip hop, you're not going to care if, who writes it. 
it doesn't even matter to you. Like, you know what I mean? So like, that's the whole thing about with, with that or whatever. So I say that to say this in terms of like top five lists and all that, it really depends on the category you're asking. You know what I mean? That it's going to be different for me personally. I don't think a lot of people think like that. I think a lot of people just have like one and they're like, this is what it is. But I, I do think there's categories that you got to place them in. So I've, I think what needs to be added to your top five is Ooh. your favorite producer because I yeah. think sound in your top five is important. Like I, it's weird to me that we talk about top five lists. We never talk about favorite producers. So I think it needs to be like a top six, like who yeah. are your top five artists? Who do you wish they were produced by? And so like, to me, my favorite producer yeah. is DJ Premier. And so I would love to see the shit that he could do with my favorite artists. Like I just, yeah. like big pun has been on my, the top of my list for a long time. Uh, just lyric. He's just a killer, but I would have yeah. loved to see what DJ Premier could do with big pun. Just yeah. like, just, it would be so like just amazing to, to yeah. listen to. So I think, I think we do miss a little bit of like, when you say top five, they're not as good as they are without the producers that they work with. Like yeah. Biggie's not Biggie without Diddy. Oh, like, uh, yeah, yeah. I so agree. like, so we kind of, in a weird way, don't show enough love. We're starting to get better again. Like this is all underground conversation. Like this doesn't yeah. happen at the mainstream, but in the underground, they, we're getting better at going. Who produced this? Like we got to give them props because yeah. they help make this record. And as you said, when you have a good producer, it changes everything um and to the kind of ghostwriting part of what you were saying like to me like i agree that if i found out my favorite rapper had ghostwriters it would tarnish my view of who they are but at the same time i also get having ghostwriters is good for the industry because like it employs more people in hip-hop like you want people to get paid for doing what they're good at. And if you have a an amazing lyricist who mm. is not a great rapper or who doesn't want to rap or who doesn't want the fame, whatever it is, yeah. but they can still contribute to the culture lyrically, then that is only good for hip-hop because you want those people there. You don't want them to be scared away because it's like, I can't do that, so I'm not going yeah. to. So I think, I think it's like a nuanced little conversation. Yeah, like I think, so here's the thing I could say with that, right? I could say that I feel that that's a good point because, you know, more people that are employed, that's that's a good thing. But I think the person they're writing for shouldn't be saying that they're the best. They shouldn't put themselves in that category. Do you know what I mean? Because I always feel like if we're, because again, like no matter what industry, like it's like, in the music industry, they're still using, like hip hop is what they're saying it is, right? So if you're saying hip hop, it's like, you're, like if you call it something else, I'm even cool with that. If they said, this is something else, and in this culture over here, we use ghostwriters, I'm cool with that. But when you call it hip hop, it's like, now, do you know what I mean? There's that thing, because like the, the culture has to be respected enough to where it's like, when people look at it, they're like, okay, we know this is not okay, or this is okay. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I understand that as hip hop evolves and things like that, some people become cool with everything. But then I almost feel as if it's discrediting what like, I guess you could say what the pioneers did, you know? It's kind of like, cause they more fought for that. They're just like, no, like, again, from what I've heard, there was like few crimes in hip hop. It was like no biting, 
that kind of people bite all the time. And I'm like, I, I get it, some paying homage and stuff, but it's like the writing the rhymes part. I was like, okay, that's where I draw the line. <laughs> I was like, okay. Cause for me, I look at it as if people do it and I, I get that now, right? Cause I thought that was, I never thought that was a thing, right? And when I saw, when I heard a lot of people say, you know, some of the best rappers use it, I'm like, that's crazy, right? Like a reference track, because at that point, I want to hear the other guy rap. Like to your point, when you say like, maybe the, the ghostwriter doesn't want to be famous or anything, right? It's like, okay, cool. But I want to hear their reference track or I want to hear what they're doing. I want to hear them because it came from them. You know what I mean? The mindset I have. But if the rapper that's getting ghostwritten for it, if he or she says, look, I'm not trying to be the best. I just want to make the best music. I'm okay with that. You know, like I'm told, like Cardi B, I think mentions that. She's like, I'm good with that. She's like, I have writers or whatever. And I'm like, cool. Cause she's not coming out there saying, I want to be the top lyricist and everything like that. So I can respect it. You know what I mean? So I think there has to just be a certain level of respect for that portion of it. You know, if I'm going to use this, I can't put myself in that top five or top lyricist, top anything conversation, but I can say <clears throat> that I make the best music, you know, that's okay. Because you, whether a person has a ghost written or not, it doesn't take away from the song. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't take away from the song. It just might take away from the credibility of you in the eyes of like a hip hop purist, which is fair. You know what I mean? So that's just how I personally look at it. But well, I think they should be honest. Like I think the they should say like everyone knows Drake doesn't write all his own shit. Like everyone knows that. You know, I've interviewed people like I interviewed, I've interviewed ghostwriters before, like King Eleanor. She is, she ghostwrites um, and she's yeah. done like, she's been on the team for like Cardi B and stuff like that. Oh, but she's yeah. also, but she's also making her way as an artist herself. So it's like, you know, a lot of them are doing ghostwriting while they're, so they're supporting an artist while mm. they're also working on their own craft at the same, because I kind of get it like, I might as well practice the skill set for other people. I get Absolutely. like zero risk. And if it works, it works. Fantastic. That's awesome. And I can yeah. kind of do it. I also interviewed Mad Skills who nice. had, had ghost written for, you know, a lot, doc, of, a lot of people, Dr. Yeah. Dre, like a yeah. lot of people. So like at the end of the, like it's there, it's always been there, but mm. I definitely think the key is like, I want to know who doesn't, write their own shit like i've always yeah. been interested to know who doesn't write their own shit and it would break my heart if someone i've always loved writes yeah. doesn't write their own stuff and i'm like god damn like it changes for me, everything for me like i said the th if i had to give you three rappers that it would it would hurt <laughs> it would hurt if it was three rappers i always said if it was nas jay-z and eminem if I found out they didn't write, that would hurt because they're so like, how should I put this? They're so celebrated for their writing. You know what I mean? Like Nas, when he came out, people were like, oh my God, this guy's like a prodigy with 17 or something. And he wrote all of that. And then Jay-Z, the fact that he just does, he thinks of the rhymes, you know? And it's like, he comes, so it's like, what? And then Eminem, because people know like his stories were just him writing, he writes all the time. So those three would like hurt sometimes I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes it doesn't surprise me when something gets exposed. Cause I learned that sometimes how fast a lot of these people are coming out with stuff is not necessarily 
always the most realistic, right? Because it's like, you're writing all, like with everything you're doing, you have time to, like, do you know what I mean? And you're just thinking this stuff and like these lines are sometimes high level. So sometimes I can see where I'm like, oh, okay, I could have saw that, you know? But yeah, like, I just think that you shouldn't lie about it to your point. It should, but, but the people do, because here's the thing. If you, in hip hop, and I don't think it happens in any other genre, right? It's definitely in hip hop. If you have your rhymes written for you and it's exposed, it actually changes the perception of how you're looked at as an artist. So here's what I always say to people. I'm like, if that stuff didn't matter as much as people, but they know with like hip hop and like it's based off of the credibility and the authenticity, once you get exposed, it changes things, right? Because it's like, even with the whole Drake thing, what I noticed was, I do think that a lot of, they might not say it, but a lot of like celebrated MCs were like, what? And they look at him differently now. And I do think with him, he's like, fuck, like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Because him being who he was or whatever, you obviously want that respect. That's what, even him, as big as he is, it doesn't matter. The respect is why I think it's always been like a fight when that comes into the, like, the conversation. Like, no, hey, this is what I was doing because it's the respecting of it. You know what I mean? Like the idea that the respect you get for writing your own thing and then spitting it and people giving you props for it is worth more than anything. So if you are, if there is questionable things going on with your lyrics and that comes out, that could, and if you're involved in hip hop, if it's like country or like rock or something, I don't think people care. They're like, whatever, we don't care. It's collaborative, whatever, right? But in hip hop, because of what where it stems from, people are like, no, nah, that's not cool. So I, I do think that stuff still exists. And I do agree. I don't think people should lie about it, but it's like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna come out and be like, yeah, I don't, I have people right for me that it's, they're gonna look at you as crazy and that, you know, your career could be damaged. So I see why people lie, but I don't think they should lie either, but I see why they lie. Yeah, so do I. And I'd probably lie my ass off. I'd be like, no, I wrote all that <laughs> shit. But no, I'm not doing any freestyles. I'm not doing, like, I, like, I'm very much, I'm like, a realist but i'm also like i put myself yeah. in their shoes and i'm like hell no That's i want amazing. people to talk about me as the greatest <laughs> of all time so you know i'm not gonna like tarnish my own reputation but yeah but it definitely does make me like with people like drake he's a fantastic artist yeah but he absolutely. will never be in my top five rappers that i think that's the difference is like i will why. give him credit because he can he what he does again it goes back he makes great songs and he can rap and he can make music for a wide number of people but as a hip-hop fan knowing that he doesn't write his own shit and because i cannot pick which of his shit he did write versus he didn't i i cannot give him the same props as someone who does write their own shit i'm more concerned about people who uh, not with us anymore those artists and if yeah. it ever came out that they didn't write their shit like if i found out big pun didn't write his own shit it yeah. would i don't know what i would do it would fo- it would just make me doubt anything i know in hip-hop in general <laughs> <laughs> well because you know what's interesting right so see what you just said when you said that if <clears throat> like one you can't decipher what drake writes and different things and you're like you can't be your top five right that's why I think when that got exposed, it's why he was so adamant about trying to fix that and be like, no, this is what happened. It was collaborative because 
and it's not just for him, right? It's like, he's the one that, that got exposed. So I'd like to know who I've always said, I'd like to know who else is doing it because I don't believe he's the only one. Like I if just he don't does it, they all do it at that level. If he does it, they all yeah, do so it's it. Like, so, but, but that's the thing, right? We're like, there was reference tracks on him. So people had like a level of proof. Now with others, there's no way in hell that some of these people like say they're higher than him or same level or whatever ain't no way they're going to let people come in the studio and take those reference tracks. Like they're going to be very careful. Right. But the thing is why I think it was so damaging is because there's people like yourself that would be like, Oh, he'd never be in my top five. So what happens is that's a mean, like as much money as he has or anything like that, or fame or anything that not being in like the top five conversation is damaging to a lot of people in hip hop, their ego. Do you know what I mean? Like, especially for not writing, like, I guarantee you, someone that writes, if they're not in somebody's top five, they're okay with that. If they're like, oh, that's your preference. But if it was for not writing, that would hurt a person who, and he understands hip hop a lot. Like people can say what they want, but he definitely understands the idea of like, you know, it, it means a lot to write your own stuff. So that's why anybody who, if it gets exposed right away, it's like, there's an asterisk next to your name and that changes everything. You know what I mean? Like I was doing... It was a feature for um, this producer of Blanks. He's out of Toronto. Shout out to Blanks. Dope producer. We, we've known each other for years and then we reconnected recently. And I wrote something for a feature for his brother that he's going to release, I think, later in the year or something. And I recorded it and he was like, yo, that shit is dope. I'm feeling that. That's really, I, when this is mixed and mastered, it's going to be amazing. If I didn't write that, that shit would hurt. And he would probably take me off the record. You know what I mean? It's like, no, you don't write your own shit. What the fuck? Because he grew up in hip hop. Like Blanks knows hip hop like to the T. You know what I mean? So for someone like him, if you don't write and he's like, oh, I can't respect that. It's like, what do you have left? You know what I mean? In hip hop. Now, if you just are a person that enjoys rap, you want to make the best song like a Dr. Dre because Dre is a producer, but he never cared about writing his own stuff. And everybody knows that. And for Dre, it's about who can make the best song. You know, his stuff is about the record. But some people, they grow up emceeing. You know what I mean? So it's like if you grow up rapping and that's what you started with, it's very hard for you to take a reference track or somebody writing even a word. Some like even like, again, for me, I don't even like the word suggestions. I would write by myself. Like I won't have people around because that could influence something. You know what I mean? Like I would go and write by myself. But to have a line or like four lines or something it's like at what point would you consider it a crime in hip-hop you know what i mean like what point like for you what, what would you consider ghostwriting where you're like okay no no i'm that's enough for me like what is it a line is it four lines it's a word what would you what's like a crime for you would you say no i don't think a word is a crime to me like okay. sometimes because like it's like we're talking and i'm trying to think of the right word and then you give me that and i'm like that's the word i always had so like yeah. That to me is not a crime. Or like if you were like, hey, instead of saying this, like say that, I'm like, that's a good suggestion. Mm. I still got the whole, the rest of the shit to do by myself. I think I start to draw the line when it's like, becomes a significant part of the song. So like four bars? Well, see, it's hard. There's no like line. It's like, because it (laughs) depends on the song, right? It depends on the track itself. So I don't have like a, a line, but. I find it interesting that because it never hurt Dre's reputation, and it never heard, yeah, but it never hurt Easy E's reputation. He never wrote his shit. Yeah, 
but that's because it was well known. Yeah, and I think but also that- too. Sorry, no, I was just gonna say also too. I think why just to answer your question about Easy, I think because Easy didn't come in as like an MC. I think his thing was like they knew he was a drug dealer, and it's like he wasn't. He didn't pride himself on being like a rapper or an MC. So I think that changes things. Yeah, but I think when that you own it and you're like, I I know what I am. And I'm not going to pretend to be something that I'm not. Yeah. Is different to, I'm the greatest rapper of all time. And they're like, <laughs> hey, man, you didn't write half your shit. How are you the greatest rapper of all time? Yeah, yeah. And like, I think that's the difference. And I, always, and I go back to sport and in cycling, in the Tour de France, all the top guys are taking drugs. If like that, they're all doping because number one, the event is fucked. Like it, it's it's physically <laughs> absolutely crazy that anyone can do what they have to do. But like yeah. if nine out of the top 10 are on drugs yeah. and you're the only one who tests negative, you're on drugs too because the effect of those drugs is so significant that yes. it is not possible to beat them naturally. That is my opinion on it. Makes I sense. have the same opinion in hip hop. Yes. If nine out of the top 10 artists globally are having ghost writers guaranteed that 10th one probably has one too. Yeah. I think you get to a level and the studios give you a team because yeah. like you said, you don't have time to drop album after album to do promo, to do all these things, appearances, like you're a brand at that point. Yes. So yes. like they need the brand to be protected. They can't rely on you by yourself to write a good album. They want to guarantee it. And so they guarantee an album they can sell. How do you do that? Here's a team of writers. Here's a team of producers. Here's everything that you'll ever need. All I need you to do is to perform that, big guy. Yes, you'll have some of your ideas, but then, man, done. All right, next, pump it out. So, like, I think it's a different mindset. (laughs) See, that's the thing. That's what, like, that's what trips me out because I look at it and I'm like, again, I have to say is if, if the artist comes into it, if they just came in and want to make music and to your point, admit it, you know what? You don't even have to admit it to me. If you just say, Hey, I want to make the best songs, you know, I'm good with that. But if you came in on the underground scene, you know, you were doing ciphers and like there's videos you're doing ciphers. I just think that is where you draw the line. Like that's just my personal opinion though, because again, right. I still want to know that, man, you could write this on your own. You don't need this or whatever. You don't need these writers to do this because you're still, you represent hip hop. You know, you come up in that. So that for me is why I'm like adamant about, no, if you're, if you're doing, if you're an MC and you say that there's no way it's like, it's like when, um, I remember this happened last week, right. And this, this almost hurt me. A game reference got leaked for, uh, the game, the rapper yeah. for, uh, higher, I don't know if you saw that, right? The song I didn't, see, I didn't see what was leaked. <clears throat> so what it was, was his uh, song higher from the documentary, the first album, a 50 cent reference was leaked. So I was like, oh, hell no, right? Because I, re- I really like Game. I think he's an amazing rapper. I even think uh, we can even get into the whole battle situation that potentially might happen. Well, 50 has been saying for years yeah. he wrote the documentary. Like he wrote hooks for the documentary and you know what here's the thing yeah so when 50 was saying that i didn't deny that that happened 
I just didn't think the verses were written. The choruses, absolutely. There's no one that was at the time hotter at making rap choruses than 50 Cent at that time, right? So I get it. Well, they but sound would, like 50 Cent. Huh? Like the hooks are 50 Cent hooks. Absolutely. They sound exactly like <laughs> exactly. the shit that he was doing. And it was like game, even, okay, even if he did, let's say game did it, he was yeah. then admitting to biting. So yeah. like you're better off just saying he wrote the hooks. Like <laughs> because otherwise it's just copying 50 Cent. Yeah. So I agree. I, I never questioned that, right? But I questioned the bars. So I was listening and I'm like, okay, the bars does not sound like what 50 Cent writes. Like you can, there's a distinct difference, right? Now <clears throat> I was listening to higher and I was like praying. I was hoping because when I, please. I was hoping to not hear the full three verses and everything. So what it was, was 50 obviously did the chorus and it was the flow of the verses, not his, ver it was like one line I think might've been from the chorus, right? So I was like, okay, I could see that, right? But it wasn't the bars, you know what I mean? So I was like, okay, I'm okay with that. Cause I've seen that millions of times, right? Someone has a reference hook, hooks I have no problem with because again, I always go back to my, my morale is like, if you're in a cypher, you're not really busting out a hook. You know what I mean? Like if we're in a rap cypher, I'm not gonna be singing an eight bar chorus to you or whatever. You're gonna be like, what the hell are you doing? So I kind of approach it with that. But when I heard the uh, chorus and I heard the flow of it, I was like, well, that could happen. But then now I'm asking myself, what else is there? You know what I mean? Again, I don't think that he didn't write stuff, but I do wanna know what else did he write and how much more was written? Because I do wanna hear if there were potential bars. Like, I don't think there were bars that definitely chorus and everything like that, right? Which again, in hip hop, I think sometimes, I think because there were no rules, like the, the rules get diluted. Do you know what I mean? So I think people are like, why is the chorus okay? But like the verses, you know, and I'm like, well, the choruses, like there was a time where rap records never had choruses. Do you know what I mean? They were just ongoing rap records and they were just rapping. So I was like, you know, I don't know. Like for me, I don't, I, I when I, I agree with you, when I hear like, bigger rappers when they get exposed for that, it hurts. Cause I was like, come on. But again, if it's somebody that I don't care about, like no disrespect, but like Lil Nas X, I guess they categorize him as a rapper. I think he's more of a hybrid artist cause he does everything. But if they said, oh, Lil Nas X didn't write that. I'm like, all right, cool. Like it doesn't, he's not in my top five list. You know what I mean? Like he's not somebody that I'm saying, wow, I want to hear what he's doing lyrically. So I don't mind that. But it's usually the people who, when I turn it on, I'm like, man, I want to hear what they're doing lyrically that really, takes the cake for me, right? So it's like, don't have one line written, nothing, you know what I mean? But I see your point though. I really do, you know, I respect it. Yeah, I know. Game is, he's, a, he's an interesting guy. He's like, he he's, uh, he's putting his, he likes to put his foot in his mouth sometimes. Um, and uh, yeah, he definitely did that with 50. And like, you know, the mm. story, as the story goes, like it was, he was with signed to Dre, Dre didn't know what to do with him, and so he yeah. put him with, with Fifty, because Fifty was making songs, and yeah. Game couldn't figure out how to make songs. He had the bars, he just couldn't make the songs. But I think they obviously had a falling out. Fifty is not the easiest guy to, especially back then. Like yeah. they're both really strong people, personalities, yeah. and so like they were bound to almost have a falling out. And he was obviously signed to G Unit, and I think, you know. Once that happened, 50 knows how to capitalize on any drama and how to make the most of it. So obviously he's going to come yeah. out and say yeah. what he said 
and the game is going to push back and not admit it because it's a hip hop pride thing. Because if he, if he said, and like this is me reading between the lines, but if he admitted yeah, yeah. that Fifty wrote his hooks, he would admit to being looking like a bitch. And that is what was like the the feud is like Fifty was saying, "Hey, you don't write your own shit. Like you're a loser," yeah. and he has to fight back because it's an image thing. And again, everyone's everyone would be like. Like now, looking back, they're like, I don't understand why this is that. But at the time, it's yeah, like yeah. image and still in hip-hop, image is extremely important because the shit that they were rapping about is like, again, the gangster kind of like, yeah. I'm the yeah. best. Like that's the image, that's the brand, so they got to protect it. And so yeah. they had the feud. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, again, I grew up on that era. I definitely grew up on. And funny enough, when with game. When he first, he actually sounded like Shine from uh, Puffy's Puffy's artist. Like he he had his very similar to Shine in his tone and everything. And by the time he got with Dre, it might have been he might have been a little bit out of that style. But you're right. I think yeah, you can't really admit that this guy is writing for you and different things like that, you know. But I've always said like I think I like how how game raps. I like it because you don't really see that coming from the West Coast too often unless you're talking about Crooked Eye, but just having like more of an East Coast style, but you're from the West Coast. And I think Game was really good at like studying East Coast artists. And one thing that I think he's really good at is he's he can mimic any style. He, he Like, again, I'm not going to say that you're going to choose his style that he mimics over the original, but the fact that he can do that, I don't know too many MCs that can like use somebody's style because even with the new like the disc towards Eminem I know a lot of people are like giving it shit or whatever and put it this way my, my take on that is I like it for what it is if he does with it what he's supposed to do and in my opinion that's if Eminem responds he comes back with a harder disc because the first one is just to bait him this to give a response it's not that is not like I would be shocked if he was like nah that was my that was my my diss. That's the hardest I'm going to go. Like, that would shock me based on just his history of dissing people, you know? So I think that's just to get him to come out. And it was done in a way of, like, 10 minutes. I'm going to give you a lot, you know? I mean, the first half wasn't really a diss, but I'm going to do enough. So you have to respond to something, and I'm going to respond to that. Because usually in rap, what happens is, if you think of battles from back in the day, it was two rounds, right? Like, person A goes, person B responds back. And then they either switch the roles or like person A goes again and then they just decide after that. So I, I'm I'm curious to see what he does after Eminem's response. Like I'm not, I'm not even going to be surprised by Eminem's response because you know, we know like it's it, it's not going to be garbage. Like I wouldn't think it would be garbage. You know what I mean? I think it's going to be something high caliber, but I'm interested to see the chess move from game after that. Yeah, I don't know. Because see, I kind of have a slightly different opinion. He released this on the eve of his album release. And it feels like a hacky, weak way of promoting his album. And it and if I'm Eminem, I'd be tempted not even to bother because the disc was not strong enough. If I, here was my huge critique. I couldn't tell whether it was a disc or a tribute because he, that, yeah. he copied so many of his styles. And the thing that didn't make sense, one of his lines were, I only liked one of your albums. Well, yeah, fuck yeah. game. You copied like four or five different styles from different albums. So did you? Because it sounds like you listened to all his fucking albums. So yeah. like if I'm – and Eminem already did it with MGK. Like 
I don't know. To me, like, okay, game, you're a good rapper. But the way you went about it was not the right way because it is you promoting your album. Had he done it out of the blue, then it's less corny. And like, what's 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 the real win for Eminem in this? The diss wasn't the best I've ever heard. Like you said, it's he can't he could have gone harder. It's ten minutes. Like fuck me, it was so long. Like he could have condensed it and made it better. And like I don't know, I'm I'm not sure if Eminem really needs to respond because. Well, you know what? Sorry, go ahead. No, because it's not. A, it wasn't that strong. It wasn't that aggressive. Like it just didn't feel like. I don't know. Game's been talking about Eminem a little bit leading up, but I'm just like, Eminem really hasn't responded, and like, yeah, I don't know. It just baits. Like it, if he responds again, it gives people the ability to be like, oh, every time I diss Eminem, he's gonna have to respond. Yeah. Well, here's why. I, so here's why I also said this, right? Because I get how everyone's looking at it, but what? Because I listened to the record, I'm not going to lie to you, I listened to it for like two days straight. Like literally, like I went through it, the 10 minutes and I was listening and I was like, man, what is he doing here? And I'm like, why, why do I respect this? But I'm like, it's not a traditional diss, but I'm like, game's not, I don't think he's a dumb artist to do that. Like it just didn't make sense. Now I will agree with you when you're promoting an album and like, I was like, ah, that didn't need to be done. But I do feel that, like, I feel like Eminem did that with the MGK thing, the Not Alike record. Like, you know, he, I'm not saying he used the album to promote that disc, but that disc was on the album and people were talking about it, right? So, like, I get that. But I think with Game, one, one thing I will say is when he, like, if you remember, if you remember the Cannabis and LL Cool J battle, do you remember that one? Uh, I don't remember the battle, but I have definitely heard of it. Okay, so, like, just a quick touch on that. I think Cannabis had an amazing diss to LL Cool J, right? But I think Cannabis put everything into that. So when LL came back and he slaughtered the response and his energy was right and everything was good, Cannabis had nothing left to say, right? Now, I look at this battle and I'm like, if he said everything and went the hardest and Eminem came back to that diss, it's like, what do you have left to say to come back with? But if you come in with something that sounds to the people, the general public is like, oh, this is garbage, da, da, da. I wouldn't respond. But here's the thing. Eminem is a competitor. So for Eminem, I could see where he's like, man, I could see him itching to respond to this. But maybe people around him are like, ah, I don't know if it's worth it. Like, I don't know. Now, the thing is, I do believe either him or people around him are like, if you respond to this based on game's history of 300 bars, 120 bars, he's going to come back with something. So I always felt like since it happened, it puts Eminem in a strange place, right? Because if you don't ether him to where he can't come back with something else, it's like you're going to risk that second response, which I believe is going to happen. Do you know what I mean? I really believe that's going to happen if Eminem responds. Now, if Eminem doesn't respond, the narrative is like, oh, you didn't like you didn't say anything like so gay like what happened like why did you say it to mgk but not him right so it's like it's a weird space to be in but i don't i don't disagree with people saying that like that this isn't a hard diss right i think it's a i think for what it is if eminem responds it does its job 
if Eminem doesn't respond, it doesn't do its job because it's supposed to bait him. You know what I mean? Like it's well, not- That would be my advice to Eminem that I'd be like, this is as see-through as anything. He just dropped an album. Yes. If you respond, you only help promote his album. Fuck him. Why would you respond? It wasn't that strong. It was 10 minutes. He wasted yeah. so much time on there. Let him spin his wheels. Who gives yeah. a shit? He's admitted on other songs that Eminem killed him on it. We ain't. He says, yeah. oh, shit, Eminem killed me on my own shit. I mean, he said that before. I just yeah. be, If I was Eminem, I'd just be like clip after clip after clip after clip yeah. of him paying me credit. And yeah. that was, I wouldn't even have to say anything else because it just kind of but so I think game did himself a disservice mm. literally of um doing it right next to his album. And to be honest, his album's like 30 tracks, it's so fucking long. Like, it's so it's like an hour and 55 minutes. Who's listening to that? Like, well, see, that's the thing, right? I love hip hop so much that I was like, I listen like outside of that track, the whole album, and I'm like, man, this is a really good album. But I hate the fact that that's the only thing I will agree with. It's like you doing the diss that took over the album because outside of the diss, I think the album has some amazing tracks, right? I think there's a record called uh, Home Invasion. That's like some of his best rapping that I've heard him do. Like it's like he's rapping double time really fast. And I was like, man, this guy is amazing. But now it's like your album is overshadowed by this thing, this like this record, but See, I look at battle rap and I didn't look at it. I'm not going to even lie to you. I did not look at it up until I heard games diss and saw this situation. I was like, man, battle rap is like in the industry is such a chess game more than people think, right? It's so chess because I believe game, this again, this we're just conspiracy theories. We're just talking here. So I'm not saying that I know. Neither of us talk to game or Eminem on a regular basis. I'm just saying that that game was going to release his album, right? And he pushed it back. And then it was announced that Eminem's doing the curtain call too, right? And I think game and whoever is people or whatever are like, let's wait. Because if we release this this now, he can come back. If he does release something, it would be on that album. So let's not release first. We're going to wait to see what he releases. And then we'll make our move. Eminem releases the album. There's no diss. Right. So now you're in the clear because you got to look at it like this. Right. Usually the last Eminem disc was the MGK one. And in terms of the not alike, not not the kill shot, but the not alike and not alike was on the Kamikaze surprise album. So it's like if you look at his moves, it's like he had this album come out and it did well. So game, I do believe, was like, let's wait. Let's see what happens here and let's let him get drop and do everything he has to do first. And then I'll make my move. That's why I think it's more chess. I have no problem admitting I was wrong if Eminem responds and game doesn't do anything. I'll be like, are you serious? Like, what was the, at that point, I'll be like, okay, you definitely should have came with the harder diss then. But I really don't feel that that diss, I think I get how everyone is looking at it and I can totally respect it, but I just don't feel just knowing how game was from that G unit beef to like yuck him out. He, he, he battled him, Joe Budden, he battled. None of those disses were like that. So unless he has some sort of like health issue right now to where he, he made that, there's no way that that this is the final thing that is to make Eminem respond. And unless Eminem does like ether type record to where a game can't say anything, right? I don't think the battle is just done after Eminem's response. I think 
I'll like again, I can always judge a battle off of two rounds. I wanted to see him and MGK go at it again. Like he murdered MGK. Round. I wanted a response from MGK. Huh? He I don't murdered. see that's the thing, right? I don't no, no, you know what? I don't think I don't think he murdered him, but I don't think MGK beat him either at all, right? Because I think they were both I think they both had good shit in it where I was like, okay, cool. Like I definitely think the MGK's punchlines were really good. I liked some of the punchlines. Not the I liked, beard is weird. I liked MGK's beat better. Personally, okay, yeah. I liked I his him, beat, yeah. Um, yeah. but I thought I thought Eminem just came at him with a very specific thing. He had a very mm. specific message, essentially mm. saying, "You ain't shit," and yeah. the only reason you'd ever respond is because I make you who you are. And if your name never comes out of my mouth, you ain't nothing. Yeah, and it's tr- it's kind of true. MGK stopped rapping. Well, you know what's interesting, right? And that's why I was saying even why this is relates to the game disc, because I do think MGK went pretty hard for a disc record. I think he, he did go, because I've heard people say, they're like, wow, he kind of came at him or whatever, more than anybody has. Because like, there's not really anybody that's come at him that you could think on the list that came at him like that. Like, I mean, Ja Rule had one line, you know, but in a whole disc, but think about it, he came so hard at him. And then when he came with Killshot, there was no response. You see what I'm saying? And that's why I think with game, why it's different, because he's like, this this makes like the public think, oh, that was nothing, don't respond. But like who Eminem is as a competitor, I think if the diss, like I'll be honest with you, I think if the diss was even worse, Eminem would still be like, oh, wait a minute, man, I got to get this guy. Because it's just a competitive spirit in him, right? Like he's looking at it as, I don't care, you're, you're game and you have, a, you have a big enough name. It's not like the Nick Cannon thing. Like you have a big enough name and you come from Dre and you do have some, you have status in hip hop. There is that, you know? So I do think he's a credible opponent. And I've always, I've always been curious to see goes against somebody who actually raps well, like, you know, cause I do think game raps well. I will agree with you that doing it on the album, it's like, it does look like you're selling an album. You know what I mean? It's like, ugh. You know, but again, if that's what you want to go with or whatever, I'm just, I, I'm more, for me, it's the competition of it. You know what I mean? I really like seeing, even like, look, even if they're on the same record together, I'd like to see what game does now in 2022. I mean, that's not going to happen anymore, but in 2022, I'd like to see that, you know, I, I like the competition of it because that's what like makes rap at times cool. It's like, it brings out the best in both people. You know what I mean? So. I agree. We'll, we'll have to wait and see to see if he does yeah. it. Um, yeah. But man, I only have one more question for you. I feel like we could talk forever, which yeah. is always a good sign in a podcast. Um, but my last question, because we've been going an hour 45, so this is on the, on the long end for, for us, but we'll definitely have to have you back. But my last question, um, we'll, we'll see what happens with, maybe when Eminem responds, we'll have you back. Um, um, but my last question for you is, if you had to recommend one album, for yeah. everybody to listen to at least once to get an appreciation of can be yeah. any genre of music cannot be your own work. What would it be? Master Ace, a long, hot summer. I interviewed Master Ace actually. I, I listened to that one. He is unreal. Un- yeah. Underrated as well, actually. Absolutely. That album is one of the greatest albums in hip hop. I don't care what anybody says. Like I think from front to back, that whole album, if you like, just in terms of hip hop, if you're like, look, hip hop is what what defines hip hop, I would say Mass Day, Long Hot Summer. Everything from the songs, the skits, the production, the choruses, everything is like straight hip hop to me. 
I would definitely tell people to listen to that one. Yeah, I think he deserves a lot more props than he gets. Um, I think because he's a little bit of an older guy, like he's obviously like, you know, hip hop, they always say is a young person's game. So like, yeah, but yeah. for anyone who's into it, I agree. Go check out Master Ace. He has some, he, he does, he does some concept, conceptual tracks really well. He does story tracks really well. He does have all the elements of hip hop as they were traditionally discussed in like with the founding of the music. So definitely yeah. one to check out. Cannot agree more, but man, the enemy, I remembered to get your name right this time came through. Um, obviously make sure you check him out on IG as well. Uh, fighter just dropped. He's got some fantastic music and I was actually going to say, I'd love to see a few more music videos from you as well. Cause yeah, sure. I think there are a few that like a little bit older, but yeah, with the yeah. with the new tracks, you've obviously got some like lyrical videos and some freestyle videos of yourself. But I'd love to see a few more. Definitely, definitely. Is there anything else you wanted to plug? Thank you for having me. It was good. It was a good conversation. No, like like I said, check out Fighter. Follow me on IG at DME Official. So, but yeah, outside of that, man, I'm just constantly working on music and then you know doing my thing. Well, it's an absolute pleasure, and as I said, we'll definitely have to have you back on because. Yeah, I think we, we got into a role. We could talk about hip-hop forever. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's why it's fun. So, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip-hop hustle for upcoming podcast news. Also, don't forget to check out my Patreon under hip-hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show. Bye for now.